During the first year of the Mom to Mom podcast, we have learned so much from all of our amazing guests. Today, we are going to focus on highlights from six of those guests. So stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. I am your host, Deanne Taylor, and also joining us will be Tamara K. Anderson, our co-host. During the first year of the Mom to Mom podcast, we have learned so much from all of our amazing guests. Today, we are going to focus on highlights from six of those guests, and I'm sure you'll be really interested to see which ones we picked and what recommendations and ideas you can get from them. All the information about the guests will be in the show notes, their names, the podcast title, and the date of the podcast. So if you want more information to review those podcasts, please go to the show notes. Before we get started, I also want to thank all those who have supported us during the past year, especially our listeners. We've received good comments back from you. Thank you for your support. Please continue to listen. Leave your comments on American Mothers Inc. on Facebook or on Instagram, and we will be glad to hear your comments and put down any questions of things you'd like to have us talk about and what you want answers to. Today, we are visiting with Dr. Latarsha Holden. She is a prolific author, political candidate, Georgia's 2020 National Mother of the Year. She has changed her life from poverty, homelessness, and hopelessness to education and receiving her doctorate degree. As a mother of six children, her leadership principles became a solid foundation from which her children built careers in the military, medical field, became authors, college students, and young adult leaders. Dr. Holden has been a guest panelist on different platforms. She's also a licensed and ordained minister. Welcome, Dr. Holden. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. What happens when your struggle outlasts your strength? We all know we can go through something for a couple of days, even some months, but what happens when your problem lasts years? And so for me, trying to navigate homelessness for four years, keeping six kids motivated while I felt like I was mentally drowning, it got too hectic for me. So I remember walking into a hospital here in Riverdale, Georgia, and I walked through them glass doors. I went to the desk. And I know I was probably looking frazzled. My hair, I was just tired. And I said, ma'am, I don't think I can do this anymore. She said, ma'am, are you saying you want to commit suicide? I said, yes, ma'am. I, I, I'm tried everything. Nothing is working. And they kept me for a week for observation. And on that floor, they had a padded room. And I asked the lady at the desk, I said, ma'am, can I go in there? She said, ma'am, you're no threat to anybody. I said, I know it, but I need to go in there. Now, at this point, I was not raised in the church. But I went into that room and I dropped down to my knees. Every day I was there for that week. And I just remember raising my hands up to heaven, crying, God, are you there? Please help me. I'm scared. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Now, although my situation did not turn around immediately, I knew something was different. 
And before I knew it, I had matriculated through college with my AA, my BA, my MBA. But when I got accepted to the PhD program for leadership studies, now I did want to bundle jump up to heaven and oh, high yeah. five my man. <laughs> the thing that, uh, that impresses me is that you went for help two major times in your life and they became turning points in your life. Yes. So it's obviously important for us to be willing to reach out to other people, to recognize we're in a place that we need help way before we get beyond that point. The journey was just too hard. And like you said, I think that took some courage to walk into the hospital and say, and I can't do, I don't know what to do, but that week there gave me a time to just cry out to God and just be in solitude for that week. But one thing I did to save my six children from um, the streets and the gangs and going off, dropping out of high school, I gave my six children all I had to give them. Now, that was humiliating for me because I had kids high school and middle school. They wanted the stuff they saw their friends have. Mm -hmm. I didn't have money. I didn't have anything of material possession that I could give to them. So I told my six children, I said, well, I don't have anything materially to give you. So all I have to give you is to show you how to serve and to love you unconditionally. Dr. Renee Renardi is a psychologist and the director of the Lakeside Center for Behavioral Change. She is the program developer of CourageCritters.com, a plush animal and online program to help children learn adaptive coping skills. She has settled in Fargo, North Dakota, where she resides with her husband, Chad, and their daughter. There she has started a nonprofit and continues to be an advocate for mental health. She was named as the 2019 National Mother of the Year and served as a delegate to the 2021 United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Dr. Renardi, it is an honor to have you on the show today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So it's really important for kids, just like they learn math and social studies and whatever their interests, uh, learn how to play soccer. We have emotions. <laughs> they require attention. They require some training, especially during really interesting times, like living during this pandemic. And honestly, pandemic aside, just being a child in today's society you might need a few skills. You might need to recognize emotions. A child's brain is not fully developed, so they really need assistance to help navigate this. Unfortunately, a lot of parents too are so busy. Most of the time, both parents are, are working or a single parent is, is raising a child or grandparent is raising the, the child. There isn't always that time to sit down and discuss these things. There's soccer practice and there's all these activities and parent coming home way late or divided shifts. So families have, have never been busier, but the need is so great to spend time together and to really check in with each other. Sometimes working with a therapist, we can find ways to really maximize that time, to really maximize the health of our child and ourselves too, as a parent or as a caregiver. And so it is really important that to take a step back and look at the global picture, understand that if your child has anxiety or a behavioral condition or autism or whatever the condition may be, they're in good company. So it doesn't mean that they're defective or broken just means they're fancy, right? So we just have to learn how to drive that fancy nervous system. And that's really what it comes down to. Some kids and adults just require more driving lessons than others to learn how to drive their emotional health and behavioral health. 
Mm-hmm. I do a little bit of Facebook. That's kind of my generation, but I'm a careful consumer on what I watch. But in order to work with my teenagers and have a better understanding of what they do, I'll look at the TikTok videos. I'll look at some of that stuff. And it's mostly like people dancing and like kind of little tiny outfits. So it's something that I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is what my teenage girls are watching. This is what my child is watching. If she's watching YouTube videos, I want to sit with her. I don't have to sit with her every single moment that she's watching it, but I have to be dialed in a little bit as to what she's consuming so that we can talk about that and, and look at these shows. And also to teach my child to be a critical thinker, to not believe everything that they're seeing or everything that they're hearing. So it is um, important. One day my daughter, she loves space. And so she's flipping through the channels and she came upon ancient aliens. And so she's like, well, this is cool. So I was like, all right, well, we can watch a little bit. So we were watching it. Apparently there was a spaceship that was landing and it, it was landing and it hit a windmill. And when it hit the windmill, it burst, fell apart and crashed. And so I joked with my daughter, I'm like, well, it made it through the asteroid belt just fine. But as soon as it hit that windmill, like it was over. (laughs) That example really stuck with her that she was like, wait a second. Yeah, (laughs) that that really doesn't make sense to me that, you know, it survived all that, but it hit a windmill and burst and broke into pieces. That doesn't make sense. And so it's giving some of those concrete examples to our kids. It's being able to have our kids think critically, to be able to challenge some of those comparisons. A healthy amount of skepticism is a good thing. I think that's something that's lacking a lot of times in our kids. We're excited to have Doris Donnelly with us. Doris has been married to the love of her life, Jack, for 30 years. They have two remarkable children and two darling grandsons. Her favorite part of being a mom is being a grandmother. Doris also has a passion for mothering others. She volunteered many years with youth and women survivors of domestic and sexual abuse. Her current passion is bringing hockey to individuals with disabilities, acting as her state hockey association's first director of adaptive hockey and being named Colorado Avalanche's volunteer of the year. She is now serving as USA Hockey's blind hockey representative and the general manager of its U.S. blind hockey team. I'm pleased to welcome Doris Donnelly, the 2022 National Mother of the Year. Thank you for joining us, Doris. Well, thank you for having me. As a child, I think there was a blurring of the lines of what true, real love looks like and what sexual abuse is. I didn't know what real love should look like. And so it was really unhealthy for me as a child, all the way through the age of 18. Uh, I tried to take back my power. That's how I like to look at it, by telling people throughout the stages of my life, pastors, teachers, even the police. And unfortunately, I was put back in my home several times. I was in foster care, even navigated the court system. But they put me back in my home and I felt betrayed, unloved, unlovable in those situations. So through those times, and even for probably others, you feel like you can't break the cycle. But finally, at the age of 18, I left home. And unfortunately, I didn't learn how to navigate what healthy love, healthy relationships, what I should look like as a healthy person. So I was very unhealthy. I sabotaged every relationship I was ever in. I sabotaged myself with 
an eating disorder from the age of 13 until the age of 30. Uh, I was unfortunately pretty promiscuous for a while, just did really unhealthy things. And then when I was in relationships, I did everything I could do to prove that they were going to leave me. I mean, I pushed even my husband before we were married. I did everything I could to prove that I didn't deserve love. And basically I was grieving and I didn't realize that these were steps of grief. I was railing against the fact that I was unlovable. I was insecure. I just was not in a healthy place. And finally, I sought counseling. And I don't think that even then, at that point, I believed that it was a good thing for me. But then I found a retreat called Committed to Freedom. And it was during that retreat that there were other women that were just like me. Our stories were different and we didn't even really have to tell our stories, but our common ground was the same. We understood that we were unlovable, or at least that's how we felt. We were unlovable. We were grieving. We were hurting ourselves in different ways, but we all understood each other. And that long three-day weekend, we did a lot of work together. And we understood that we were trying to take back power in ugly ways, but we were doing normal things in abnormal circumstances. And that was the beginning of learning how to heal. I was wondering, what was the impetus to get you to that first round of counseling? I don't know who exactly told me, but someone had said, you will never be healthy until you go to counseling. And I fought every step of the way. I kept saying, I can do this myself. But I saw patterns in my life where I really wasn't doing it myself. I was making bad decisions. And finally, the first counselor I saw, I didn't bond with, but I didn't know that. And I didn't realize that you could actually quit counselor. And so then I thought, well, this isn't working for me, so I'm not going again. And I really didn't see a counselor again until I met Jack. We originally started going together and he interviewed with me and we found a lovely woman who really got me. And actually she held my feet to the fire. And at first I didn't appreciate her for that. It's not fun. I'm not enjoying this. Well, guess what? None of the healing process. It's like debriding from a fire. The, the healing process is actually almost worse than the damage that's originally done. And yet she was a lovely woman who buffered both ends with beautiful things. But in the middle of it, I'm like, I don't like you. Our guest today is a speaker, author, and host of the popular Build a Life After Loss podcast. As an international grief coach, she enjoys helping her clients find purpose and joy again after loss. In addition, she's the author of the book Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. She and her fun-loving husband, Ron, recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee with their golden doodle, Coco. Together, they are the parents of six beautiful children, including two angels, 
and 11 incredible grandchildren. I am pleased to present Julie Clough. Julie, thanks for coming on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast today. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. There's actually a term in psychology today called post-traumatic growth. The premise is, is that there are some people who grow through traumatic experiences that actually come out on the other side with having a greater sense of who they are, what their purpose is, and so forth. And it's almost presented, when I read about it, it's almost presented as this is like accidental. <laughs> like some people get it and some people don't. And my message is it doesn't have to be accidental. That's why I developed the hope model of healing and the five foundations of growth, because there are things that it's necessary for us to learn and there's necessary for us to grow through in order to be at that place of post-traumatic growth mm. instead of what we talk commonly call post-traumatic stress, which I experienced after the accident. I mm -hmm. had horrific PTSD. Mm -hmm. I couldn't drive a car. The first time I drove a car after the accident was like three months. And honestly, I shouldn't have been behind the wheel, but I had to get to a doctor's appointment and I cried and screamed all the way there. I felt like it was so unfair. I was so triggered. It was so unfair that I had to drive myself. And I honestly thought I would never drive again. Hope is vital. Hope is, is everything. And if it's nothing more than hearing my story and going, there's hope for me, even those little, little pieces of hope, I think that was one of the things that really, really helped me. First of all, there was no Facebook telling me I would grieve forever. And if I had had that experience now, I would be on all of these mother Facebook grief um, pages that say you grieve forever. And I wouldn't have had the hope. And why would I even strive for healing if I didn't have hope for it? It would be mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't have to learn how to heal this. I don't have to learn that process of healing. I got to learn how to carry it. That's basically what people are being taught. So that's why I get so passionate about sharing this message is because Nobody can tell me you can't heal from grief because I've experienced it. Mm. And I've watched my clients. I've watched them open their eyes to hope that they can heal. And I've watched them heal. Mm. Hello. Our guest today is Sabrina Wisher DeWitt, who is the founder of Michaela's Miracles and Blessings Foundation, a nonprofit organization that serves special needs children and adults by providing resources to improve their quality of life. About two months after her first child, Michaela, was born, she was di diagnosed with Acardi syndrome. Sabrina was told to live with the expectation that Michaela would never walk or talk, have a day without seizures, or live past the age of one. When Sabrina was able to move from her grief and feeling overwhelmed, she decided, no, this is not going to happen. And her perspective of no giving up was born. She is the mother of four amazing kids, Michaela, Hunter, Audrey, and Steele. She was named as the 2014 Montana Mother of the Year. She has been serving on the American Mothers National Board for seven years and is now serving as second vice president. Sabrina, we are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor. When that neurologist gave me all that information, gave me a stack of papers, I just remember the day because I just threw them in, in the garbage because 
that wasn't my daughter. That's just what they had researched. And so I just took from then on and I just said, we're going to do what we're going to do to make Michaela who she is. I think my drive and definitely was, is Michaela, I wanted to prove people wrong. That makes sense. So I'm kind of honoring kind of stubborn voice. And I, I did, I wanted to show these people that, you know what, but I'm going to show you that my daughter's going to do this. So as a single mom, it was the physical therapies, the doctor's appointments, a lot of disappointments, a lot of disappointments, because as I told you, Michaela's never spoken. She's tube fed. We have seizures daily. She doesn't walk. She doesn't talk, but she is positively beautiful. And she speaks through her eyes. It was a fight and a struggle for if I wanted a wheelchair, if I wanted therapy, it was a fight every single time. I felt like nothing ever came easy. And so that walk was, it was difficult, but I wasn't going to give up. God just kept pushing me on. And there was a time where I was really mad at God or what did I do wrong? I wasn't a bad kid, but I just, I didn't have the parents to guide me to make the right choices. So I thought, okay, I did something wrong and this was my fault, but it wasn't my fault. And it wasn't Michaela's biological dad's fault. So when Michaela turned 18, like I said, Michaela was having seizures daily and they turned into grand mal seizures where she, I'd wake up and she'd be stuck in a bed and her head would be hanging out. And so I needed a bed and it's called a sleep safe bed. Once again, I had to go for that fight. Well, this time the state of Montana, the Medicaid said no. And then my girlfriend, she was always my helper that helped me get on Michaela's needs and everything to the medical world. She goes, well, Sabrina, they denied us. What do you want to do? I'm like, let's go at it again. So we went up against the state four times and each time they denied us. And it was quite, quite funny because every time we'd go into this room, I could choose and tell you who was going to be against us. And by the last time we went, I made a stink. I wrote to every representative, every congressman, every senator. I even wrote, I think it was Obama at the time. I even wrote to him because I was just mad because it was a bed and that's all I wanted. And when the woman across the table looked at me and said, Sabrina, you just need to take a mattress and put Michaela on the floor. She's not an animal. Um, then I was, and it was quite funny because Michaela can feed off me. And so she likes to scream and get her point across or laugh. Well, I'm getting upset because I'm not going to lie. I might have wanted to choke the woman, but <laughs> Michaela's laughing at me. But you know what? It was just another way of God's, you know, he was my source. I had a bigger source and those attorneys and everybody against me, it was almost the jokes on them because, so I left there, lost again. That next week I had a friend come to me and say, Hey, Spring, let's raise the money for the bed. It was a $9,000 bed. Oof. We raised the money. We raised $26,000 in six weeks. And the company was so moved by my story that they donated a bed to me and blessed us with the bed. I was a single mom and I'm like, I've walked that hard walk. I've struggled. I fought. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take that money and I'm going to pay it forward. I'm not going to use it. I will just do it to, to help other kids because there's got to be another Michaela out there. And so that's what I did is I took that money. And so the joke's kind of on them because if I saw him again or met him, you know, I'd just say thank you because them saying no, well, it was a big fat yes for me because now 
that one bed has now helped me help other families. With Michaela growing each and every day and not being able to say one word, she's never spoke a word. The amount of people she's touched and what she's taught me is, like I said, I can't go to school for what I'm doing. And I give all the credit to Michaela. I'm just the mouthy one that gets to say what Michaela wants me to say. And I'm her advocate. I don't know. Call me a mama bear. I hear stories about people like, don't mess with Michaela's mom. But (laughs) it's not that I'm ornery or that, but I want what's best for my daughter. Our guest today is a native of Calvert County, Maryland, and loves working with the next generation and professionals to empower them to tap into their leadership skills and project manager skills as they build their confidence. She is the mother of four girls and grandmother of four boys and four girls. I am pleased to present Sharon Parker. Sharon, are you ready to teach us some amazing things today? I am ready to have some fun and teach you when you teach me and we just teach the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a true believer that you show by example by teaching. Yell, wanting to fuss, wanting to punish all the time doesn't always work. As I mentioned earlier that I had to overcome challenges myself and understanding what my family was about. Me being the fourth youngest of 12 siblings. Can you imagine? Hmm. Everyone is high energy, got their own own voice, and everyone understood that their perspective mattered the most. What you were saying didn't matter. So I had to show my children that in order for you to have your own identity and in order for you to be respected and appreciated for what you do, you really got to one find your voice. Like I had to find my voice. That was part of leading from within. And then once you build up the confidence to get those tools that you need, it could be speaking tools, it could be management tools, it could be technology tools, social media tools, whatever it was that you are, you know, specifically interested in, develop yourself to be able to just perform at the best height possible. So yes, leading within for my family was showing them by example, if I can do it at being almost 60 years old, you can do it being 10, 15, 20, 40, whatever. You can continue to learn as I'm learning today. What do you think as mothers we can do to help identify strengths in our children? Do you have any tips on that? So I would like to share the first tip would be just to listen to your children. Even if they make a mistake, even if they do something that you know they shouldn't have done, listen to them and ask them why? Why did you do it? What is it that you wanted to do when you were thinking about it? If they didn't think about it, did they just did it just based on instincts or whatever? Try to find out or give them tools to help them think through their process. So listen to them one, ask them why two, and then give them techniques on how to address something if they do something out of order, let's just say again, whatever that thing may be. Mm. Um, as it relates to development, trying to find out what, what I call gifts, All of us were born with unique gifts. Some can sing, some can dance, some can write books, some can spell, some can just be almost anything. And they're born with that gift. Try to find out early what they do good, okay? And they do it effortlessly, okay, without actually a lot of help from you. And then develop that skill. As you listen to the highlights this week, we hope you heard something that has enriched or motivated you as a mother. 
As mothers, we learn and gain strength from each other as we share our stories. I think you're spot on there that often the education we get as mothers comes from other mothers. And I I love that the title of this podcast is American Mothers Mom to Mom Podcast because we learn so much by interacting with one another, right? And, And I think it's so wise of you to point to mothers as a great source of ed- education and information. And that's what we're going to tap into is the wisdom of mothers throughout the nation. <laughs> our next podcast will air in 2023 and we'll begin our second year. We will be talking about resolutions and goals. It's a pretty interesting and sometimes overwhelming topic. Join us to find out what you think. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.